to use that opportunity to go and, and indoctrinate these kids with your street ghetto philosophy. Certain point. If you raise your level of income to the status of a rock star, then uh -huh, uh -huh, then, right. then you got to keep coming up with ways to maintain that status. We, I mean, I'm not even, I'm not even saying eat meat, but at least put some cereal in the milk. Come on. <laughs> you, that's like taking six, 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 the mark of the beast, and redefining it like Biggie tried to do, and saying no, it means this or that. No, 666 is 666. You can call it holy 666, but it's still the mark of the beast. Whether it's welcome or unwelcome, you as preachers of the word are to show people in what way their lives are wrong. We welcome you now to a true church perspective with Pastor G. Craig Lewis. This message is for parents only, and uh, I'm going to be talking about 10 ways to protect your child's sexual purity. You know, the Bible says that um, in Proverbs 22 and 6, that we should train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Uh, this is a promise in the Bible, and this is something that we must make sure as parents that we stick to because it's very important especially in today's society where everything is so sexually charged and sexually driven, what the enemy's trying to do is he's definitely trying to get an issue in your child that they will struggle with for the rest of their lives. And, you know, when we have issues, uh, especially sexual issues, it's easy for our society to manipulate us with sinful things and to tempt us and to, uh, you know, awaken the carnal lust that was born in us because of these issues. So it's very important to protect our children. You know, gone are the days of, you know, leaving your child unattended, uh, unattended and gone are the days of letting them walk the streets and go up to a friend's house and play with a friend and different things. I mean, our society has changed so much in the last uh, 20 years. Uh, now we have to watch our children and we have to be patient. That's why I'm such an advocate uh, for stay-home moms and, and having that constant protector. I remember my mom was always around. I can't remember when she wasn't. And even though I got into things, I didn't get into things that would damage my future because my mom's watchful eye was always there. While my dad was at work, she was at home with us. And that helped in so many ways. And I encourage that. Uh, that should be every parent's prayer is to be home with their children and uh, taking care of their children and watching and keeping that watchful eye because, I mean, some things that happen to our kids, we can't take back. We can't change. I mean, it, it's just a permanent mark or a permanent scar on them and they will struggle with certain things for the rest of their lives if we uh, don't have that presence or that looming authority in their lives. So, this is a very important message. I'm going to give you 10 things you can do as parents to help uh, protect your child's sexual purity. Now, we understand, you know, before I even get into this, dating is just not even I didn't include this this in one of the 10 because teenage dating or child dating or children or adolescent dating or whatever the case, however the kid is, that, that just doesn't make any sense anyway, logically. Uh, to allow your child to uh, get close to another kid at a young age, holding hands, kissing, whatever they're doing, all they're doing is setting themselves up for failure in future relationships. And so many of us are struggling with these failures now because we experimented with things 
when we were too young. I mean, if you're a child, you don't know what you're doing. And that's why it's up to the parents to supervise and make sure we don't let our guard down. There ain't no boyfriend and girlfriends if you're not old enough to marry. Uh, so, I mean, we're not going to even discuss that. I have a video about that, uh, the truth behind teen dating. You can get that at exministries.com, but, uh, I'm just going to give you 10 basic things dealing with, uh, children and keeping our children protected. The first thing is, uh, we, we have to make sure we use appropriate boundaries. You know, a child older than two years old should have their own bed, uh, hopefully their own bed, um, you know, so that we can keep boundaries from other children. Uh, after four years old, they should uh, take baths and use their home restroom by themselves. And so, you know, we should make sure that the kids aren't uh, too many kids in a bathtub and different things. Uh, and by five years old, uh, open nudity of parents, uh, you know, in front of the children, that needs to end. Uh, they're smarter now at a younger age. And so we got to make sure that, um, they're smarter now at a younger age, so we have to make sure that, you know, we don't allow them to see things that they shouldn't see uh, as parents. Um, so we got to make sure that we, uh, you know, not walk around or parade around nude in front of them, those kind of things, because, you know, that could scar them and um, we just have to be careful. Uh, number two, always accompany children under the age of seven to all public restrooms. And this is very important, especially where they're, you know, changing the genders of the restrooms and making restrooms genderless and different things like that. Uh, and this includes the church restroom. We got to be careful even in some churches uh, where, you know, sin isn't being taught against or a standard isn't there. And you'll have some of the same issues that you have in the world happening in the church just because you don't have a pastor that can stand up and teach the truth. So we got to be careful. But if they're under the age of seven, uh, they need to be accompanied to all public restrooms. I mean, my, my son was accompanied to the age of 12 to public restrooms. So that's just something we look out for because, I mean, it only takes a few seconds for something to happen that could scar your child or change their lives forever. So we got to make sure that we don't uh, you know, set them up for failure when it comes to that. Uh, number three, when visiting friends um, and family, do not allow your child to spend more than 15 minutes uh, at a time alone with the children. Uh, never let them close the door when playing. And if at all possible, insist that the children stay within the same room or the next room that is visible. So we want to make sure that when they're playing, they don't get quiet. You know, that's the thing. When we were young, you know, we'd be in the room playing or something. And then as soon as it gets quiet, our mama would just bust through the door. What's going on in here? It's too quiet. Kids don't play quiet. So I need to hear what's going on. Uh, that helps me to see what's going on and, and, and helps me to keep things, you know, the way they need to be uh, in, uh, while the kids are playing, because, you know, we don't want the door closed and silence, you know, and them acting out things that they may have seen on TV or things that they may have seen in movies or whatever. We want to make sure that they are playing like kids, you know, and playing, you know, playing with toys. I mean, why do, why do the kids all have devices and that's the only way they can play or every time they play, they got to act up. Uh, boyfriend and girlfriend out or, or you know, act out mama and daddy or act out, you know, uh, uh, playing doctor and these kind of things, man, get, get some toys, let the kids enjoy their toys and don't think that their child is just because they like to carry toys around and play with toys. This is what kids do. I mean, there is even evidence 
in the Bible days that kids made little toys and different things like that. Now, there's evidence way back then. That's just something kids do because that builds their imagination and different things. And it keeps them young. We don't want to mature our kids before their time. We don't want them to be grown. We don't want them thinking grown and acting grown. I don't care how big they get. You know, that's a big misnomer just because the kid is tall or the kid is large. You can't assume that the kid is mature. And so we have to make sure that the children stay their age because this helps keep them out of trouble uh, when they, you know, um, play within their age group and they still play with toys and different things until they, they're, you know, they age past that. So we want to be careful with that. Number four, we want to make sure if at all possible, you don't allow your children to spend the night anywhere. Uh, if they must spend the night, uh, provide them with their own sleeping bag, instruct them to sleep in the bag with it zipped up in the living room or the den and not in the bedroom of others. So ain't no sharing, no beds and all of that. If it's going to be a camp out, let everybody camp out in plain sight. Everybody needs to be seen. But I recommend just, you know, if you can avoid it, not allow your child uh, at too young to always spend a night at different places and always, you know, um, stand with different places. You know, I always talk about Big Mama's house because, you know, Big Mama's house is where all the calamity happened when we were young, uh, probably because she was Big Mama and he was and, and her husband was little daddy, I guess. But <laughs> there was really no, you know, it's hard for a grandmother to supervise her grandkids. You know, she's going to already do it on the curve because they're her grandkids. And a lot of times we feel like we messed up our kids. So let us uh, do better uh, or give more to our grandchildren. But at the same time, we have to remember that grandmama is usually the one that's keeping the kids who don't have fathers or, or their fathers aren't in the home. And so while their daughter's working, they keep the kids. Well, you know, this is a dangerous place because without that mother and that father in the home, children get into a lot of things. They're raised differently. Their thought process is different. And then when you, you know, allow your kids or if your kids have both parents, then you you mix it in and you, you have issues there. Uh, you have kids that are introduced to things that they wouldn't be introduced to if there was a watchful eye there, if there was a male authority there. You have kids that are introduced to things that they shouldn't be introduced to by uncles and cousins and different things. So we have to be real careful with that big mama syndrome and make sure that our kids, that we're keeping a watchful eye and not just leaving them places. We need to try to spend as much time with them as possible because I'm telling you, we can't just drop them off at someone's house and expect them to turn out okay. Remember the scripture says, train up a child in the way he should go. What is the way he should go? That's with a mother and a father being there. That's the way God ordained it. Our society is trying to make it look like we don't need that or we don't need the man, but that is not the truth. God designed this a certain way. Uh, number five, um, the fifth thing, please pay very close attention to stepdad, stepmoms, stepbrothers and sisters and blended families and these kinds of things. You got to be careful because when people don't have those biological ties to your children, uh, a lot of times, you know, they can be tempted to abuse them or be tempted by them, especially when it's a mother with, you know, daughters that are 
that look good or, you know, daughters that look like she used to look and all that kind of stuff. And then you just marry a, a man and bring your daughters into that atmosphere. Uh, that could be a very dangerous place. So you have to be careful and keep a watchful eye on that. And stepdads and, and stepbrothers and sisters, that's a big one right there, because a lot of times you bring your children who, you know, may may be functional into a situation where there are kids that are dysfunctional. And I mean, you mix that up. You don't give your children a, a, a fair chance. A lot of times, you know, I was just talking to a, a friend of mine who, you know, he, he, he's got kids and already has four kids and now he's wanting to adopt the child. And I was trying to tell him, you know, man, why would you adopt a kid and bring them into a situation where you have function? You're finally giving your children something you didn't have because your parents were divorced. Why don't you give your child an opportunity to grow up without dysfunction? Why would you bring a child who may have all kinds of issues or things you just don't know about? And, you know, all all adopted children are going to come with some baggage. So I'm saying, you know, why don't you just let that be for someone who can't have a child? Why would you bring a child in there? To me, that is just selfish to do that when you know uh, that's selfish to not think of your own children and put them in possible danger of who you might adopt when they had a chance to have, you know, function in their home instead of dysfunction like you had. So we got to be very careful with that when we're bringing uh, or creating those kinds of situations, because a lot of times it makes it it makes it virtually impossible for us to watch the children and, and, and to uh, uh, give the children what they need if there is a lot of strangers in the home. And I'm not knocking blended families or knocking, you know, those situations, adoption totally. But I'm just saying we have to be more mindful of that. Wait till the children are grown if you can before you remarry or, you know, wait till you raise them in different things. Don't try to, you know, and this is the big thing. Don't try to replace their mom or their dad with a stepdad or stepmom and thinking that that's going to make it better for them. Uh, you have to deal with what happened as far as the divorce or the wedlock child and different things. We got to be real about this. Stop trying to replace them and be real about it and raise these children in the full knowledge of what happened. So they'll know. So they won't get old and then get disappointed thinking, oh, that was my real dad, my real mom. Just all these crazy issues that happen. They're really hurting people. And I know these things because I get to counsel all of these people after these things have taken place in their childhood. And I'm the one that's counseling them. And they're telling me, you know, different things that have happened and different ways that they felt about certain things. And so I, I'm telling you, be very careful in these situations. And I didn't do this to preach a message about uh, blended families, but this is about protecting your child because you only get one shot at this. You know, you, you get one shot. The child is a certain age. Once they grow up, you know, you can't start trying to mend them and mold them and everything at 16 years old. You got to start this very young so that you can give them what they need. So when they're older, they won't depart from it. Number six. Do not leave children unsupervised on the Internet, chat rooms, uh, email, messenger, Facebook, um, uh, Instagram, you know, all of these different things. You got your children. You've given them a phone. They're, you know, 10, 11 years old. They have a phone. They have access to all kinds of foolishness, debauchery and different things instantaneously that they can Google. And you just trusting them to be OK. You just trusting that the devil, oh, the devil won't hurt my child through this Internet. Let me tell you something. You have to be smarter than that. You know the Internet is dangerous for you. You know that you can type in the wrong thing in a search and the wrong thing will pop. You can type in the right thing in a search and a wrong thing will pop up. You've done that before. So why would you 
allow your child to have open internet without you supervising it, without any blocks, without any net nanny or any kind of software that will watch them or log log what they're doing so you can check it later. Why would you set your child up for failure like that? Or why would you make it that easy for the devil? You know, I, I tell folks, man, you just can't be handing your kid a phone and then just going about your business and letting that phone babysit them. You need to know what they're watching or they could get into something that they weren't even looking for. They weren't even trying to get in it, but the enemy used it. So you got to be very careful with that. You can't give them unsupervised internet. It's best to have a have a computer in a room where everyone is and let them get on it there or let them sit near you when they're doing it or just go on there and put the blocks on there. Certain websites you just can't go to. I don't care how much they beg. Certain things you just can't do because you're a kid and you're on my watch and I have to make sure you're okay. So, you know, you, uh, you, you got to be careful with the electronic communications nowadays because, you know, the enemy is using those, especially with the LGBT agenda. Now, now they've added all these letters, LGBTQPART, whatever it is. And pedophile is definitely in there. So they're looking to uh, attack your children through pedophilia. And I'm telling you, they are putting this stuff in the Internet. They're making it subtle in cartoons and movies and different things. So you got to be very careful not to leave them unsupervised because the enemy will use something to grab a hold to them. And it may give them an issue for the rest of their life that they're struggling with. So be careful with that. Number seven, do not give your child or your young teen driving privilege uh, privileges uh, you know, too early and letting them go, you know, buying them a car at uh, too young if they haven't proven themselves trustworthy and, you know, uh, make sure that they're following instructions and meeting curfews and different things like that before you give them a vehicle and before you let them just, you know, drive around at a young age, you got to be careful. You got to set up uh, blocks and, you know, they, they even have devices now where you can track their whereabouts on the phone. Uh, you can, you know, uh, low jack the car with a device so that you know where they are and different things. And I, I think that's important because, you know, they're a kid. OK, so they're a kid. They're influenced. So at 16 years old with a car, man, can you do you remember when you were 16 years old? <laughs> well, you got to realize things are much worse now. The temptation is much worse. So we got to be very careful how, what we're allowing our children to do and where they're going. And we got to keep tabs on them to make sure that they don't go places they shouldn't go. I mean, we, like I said, we only get one shot at this. So, uh, you know, trusting them too early with too great of a responsibility can be dangerous. So you got to be careful and not give them those things too early. Number eight, you got to talk to your children. You know, you got to positively affirm your children. You got to tell them who they are and encourage them to be the, be the best that they can be. Be honest about sexual problems that you face when you are a child. And you don't have to go into graphic detail and, and shock them. <laughs> but you ought to be honest and say, you know, I got into some things when I was young. And this is why I'm protecting you. These things happen, and I saw this before, or I've seen people get into things, whatever, and do this when it's age appropriate, of course. But you got to do that. You got to talk to them and be honest with them. And when they're at the age where they're inquisitive, you got to have the sex talk with them. Don't buy them books and just close them up in a room and let them read the books about their sexuality, you know, and then please don't trust public school with it, you know, because that's, 
public school has no business teaching your kid the birds and the bees, and that ain't the birds and the bees. It's the buzzard and the roach. <laughs> That's what they're teaching now in school. So you got to be careful. You know, I, I recommend homeschooling. I don't even want to get on that tangent, but I just don't trust the schools at all. Uh, in 2019, I think it's just gotten so bad. If I'm going to work to get my child in the, under the under the right influence, I'm not going to send them eight hours a day to the wrong influence. I'm not trusting school like that. I'm not trusting teachers, principals. I'm not trusting this world like that with my kid. Uh, so, you know, I recommend that, but, but, but you got to talk to them and you got to find out, you know, what is going on with them and build that relationship and that rapport where they can talk to you. Don't wait till they're 16 and bust in their room. We need to have a talk. And that's the first talk you've had with them. You know, that's too late. You need to do that much earlier. So talk to your children, positively affirm them so that they will know where you stand. And and you be stern now. Don't don't get me wrong. I don't believe in the whole best friend, uh, parent, and we wearing shirts alike. That's my homeboy, homegirl. You trying to get close and be cool with them. I don't believe in that. That's, that's foolishness. We're their trainers. The Bible said train them up. We're their trainers. So we're not equal. I'm, I'm the adult. You're the child. Even though I may have had struggles and may still have some, you're going to do what I say because I'm your authority. And so I'm going to keep that disposition so that they will respect it and know, you know, I can have fun with you, but I'm not your friend. I'm here to teach you the truth. And so when I'm talking to you, you can talk to me, but you're going to respect me when you talk. You're going to, you're not going to talk to me like your home girl. You're not going to use certain words, descriptive words with me. You know, you're going to keep me in the right light when I'm talking to you. But at the same time, I'm going to love you. I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to try my best to help you. But we have to keep the boundaries there uh, so the child understands who the authority is. Number nine, you got to monitor all media in your house very closely. That's movie, televisions, cable, music. Do not expose your child to nudity or explicit scenes uh, at early age, at any age, really. Uh, I'm uncomfortable now. My son's 23 years old. I don't want to watch no movie with no nudity in it with him. He's 23. I, I just hate that. You know, that's those are things that just make me uncomfortable. And I don't want to affirm that. So certain things when they were young, I remember I was just talking to my uh, son the other day and he was I, I was telling him I, I remember how excited he was when he's finally old enough to see an R-rated movie because we literally tried to shield him. He may have gotten into some things or whatever, but we tried as parents to shield him from certain things. So we believe in the rating system. We tried to hold true to the rating system. And some sometimes we even went a step above what they would deem right for a 13-year-old, PG-13 or whatever. So, you know, um, always monitor that and try your best, especially the music. How would you drive around listening to sinful, secular music with your child in the car? What, what the parents do in moderation, I always say the children are going to do excessively. So whatever you're into and doing in front of them, they're going to go do worse in front of their friends. And so you want to make sure that you are monitoring what's going on in your home, you know, just, I mean, is the movie, I mean, it, do you have to see it then? Do you have to watch that while your children are roaming around and listening and watching? Do you really have to do that? No. If your kids are there and it's not safe, you don't want them exposed to it, then just don't watch it. Come on, y'all. Let's be real parents. Let's be real responsible with their well-being. Uh, it's just not worth it.
And number 10, the final one, be a private investigator. Go through their things. Follow them when they leave the house. Search their bedroom. Listen in on their phone conversations. Find out what is going on and what they're up to. I mean, what's wrong with that? You paying for it. Man, if I'm paying for the air conditioning and you in here sucking up all this Freon breathing in my house, then I got a right to go through your stuff. That's my bedroom. I'm paying that rent. Ain't no privacy. Ain't no privacy in my home. You 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 got to pay for privacy. You got to buy privacy. Privacy costs money. So if you, if you want to be free from uh, my looming authority and me looking through your things and searching out and finding stuff, then it's time for you to move. It's time for you to move on. And, you know, they watch these TV shows with the kids. Mom, get out. And dad, don't look at my stuff and all that. Man, I don't know. That That's TV. That's not real. That's why you need to teach them the difference between what's real and what's not. You in my house, I have the right to do it. And I tell all parents, be a private investigator. But this is the most important thing I'm going to tell you. You know, I mean, it's good to check their stuff and look through their things. But, you know, my kids were always afraid of me going on a fast because they knew if I went on a fast, I got close enough to God to where I didn't have to go through their things. I God would show me what's going on and I would walk up to him and tell him what's going on and they would be afraid. So I used to hear uh, my, my son and daughter conspiring in the room. Oh, daddy's going on a fast and we better watch out. You better be. I mean, they because they knew God was going to show me. I trusted God for the protection of my children. I want my children. OK, that's important to me. That's my purpose for living. That's my purpose for being on earth. Me and my wife have that understanding. We know our purpose is our children. So why would I just forsake them for money? Or, or why would I just let them go wherever and stay over whosoever house and just not even guard them over, you know, some little extra dollars and a second job, you know, or my my wife not being home, not able to be home with them. We dropping them off at daycare. Now, why would I trust the world with my prized possession like that? And I thank God, you know, my first two children, they went to public school, but Thank God that my youngest son were able to homeschool because, I mean, I just don't trust the system and my children are that pr precious to me. And then I know what I went through when I was young. I went through a lot of things that I don't want my children to go through. I want them to have a fair chance. I want them things to be better for them than they were for me, just like my parents wanted things to be better for, for me than they were for them. And that's the way it should be. So we should be ready to keep a watchful eye on our children and, you know, whatever it costs us, man, we may not be able to take this job or that job. We may not have uh, the, the ideal income and be able to drive this or that. And that's the problem. So many parents are dealing with deficits because they're influenced and discontent because of what they see others have. And they just, you know, so down on themselves with low self-worth that they can't even deal with the worth or the, we uh, the worth of their children. They can't even deal with the low self-esteem of their children because because their own esteem is so low. They put themselves first still, even after having children. They want the house. They want the car. They want to show out. They want to show people what they have. They want to prove themselves all at the expense of the well-being of their children. So we got to be very careful in, in, our, in today's society to not allow the enemy to make us discontent where we can't watch and monitor our children, our children will grow up feeling some kind of way when they know they could not compete with our career. They'll grow up, uh, uh, you know, feeling some kind of way when they know they know they can't compete 
with our own carnal desires and what we want. And we didn't have time for them. Or we can't, you know, be there for them or uh, we, we can't do things for them because we are doing things for ourselves. They'll grow up with a complex and this will hurt them in the future. So as parents, we have to do like Proverbs 22 says, we have to train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. God bless you. You've been listening to A True Church Perspective with Pastor G. Craig Lewis, founder of EX Ministries and pastor of the Adamant Believers Council in North Richland Hills, Texas. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to be a financial blessing to us, please send your donation to EX Ministries, P.O. Box 24870, Fort Worth, Texas 76124, or donate online at exministries.com.